How are you doing, folks? And welcome to the Green Machine Podcast. Nick and Martin here today to bring you the first 2002 World Cup throwback match. So, of course, that was Ireland versus Cameroon, which was 20 years ago today. Martin, can you believe that? Does it feel like it? You were there. You're probably half cut, so maybe you can't you, you can't remember it anyway. But it's it's been a quick 20 years, 20 years ago today. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like 20 years ago, to be honest. It seems a lot longer, to be honest, in my life. I think um, a money, money trip afterwards I've ha- I've been on, luckily. But um, you know, it was my first World Cup. Uh, what First time seeing Ireland in the World Cup, obviously, and, and just really excited to be there 20 years ago. A lot younger version of myself then. And yeah, Nick, I'd, ha- I'd had a few. You know, I was optimistic. We were, you know, we were in Japan and it was, you know, a World Cup. So what more can you do with an Ireland trip? Living the dream. What age were yeah. you, Martin? Do you mind me asking when you, when you went? Oh, God. What was I? Probably 21, I think. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Prime. Ago. Yeah, 21, 22. Yeah, 22. You, that's your prime, like. That going was over, it. Going yeah. over to work on your prime. Jesus, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was very good. Yeah. Very jealous. I was 10, and um, I watched this in bed. Because it was at it was at the crack of dawn. Anyone who who was who's old enough to remember this, I mean, a lot of a lot of listeners, I know they're a bit younger, but but this was at about seven or eight in the morning, like on a Saturday morning as well. So I think a lot of people watch it in bed. Some people watch it in the pub when, when you could do yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, when you could do uh, that back in the day, it was an exciting time. Like my mom and dad, like in, in London, had, had pubs at the time and stuff. And yeah, it was all you know, we had all the bunting up and everything. And um, I remember just leaving that and going off to the World Cup. And, being seen off by like, like, a lot of the local customers and stuff, wishing us well. And, you know, I just remember ringing back and, and seeing how things were going there and incredible, like, you know, it was before camera phones and all that kind of stuff, but like ringing my mum and uh, she was saying like, what a brilliant atmosphere it was in the pub. And, you know, we were just lucky to be there, obviously seeing the games live and following Ireland. It was just living the dream then, to be honest. And, you know, the first game of the World Cup for us, you know, the World Cup just started obviously with a couple of days before, I think. And um, yeah, it was just so exciting to actually you know, done the long journey, but now we're actually seeing the football after all that had happened with like Roy Keane and stuff. So it was now down to the football. Yeah. What strikes me about about that was just all the color. It was just all the color, all the tri-colors and and, and just everything about it was phenomenal. I mean, obviously we were the second game of the world cup. So France had beaten Senegal or sorry, Jesus, Senegal had beaten France. Yeah. My God. So Senegal had beaten (laughs) France. So Papa Booba Diop. Uh, scoring the only goal there so we we were the second game so that was the big upset and and we were probably looking at this thinking jesus you know um you know maybe maybe we can be one of those sides to cause an upset we had all the stuff from saipan and this is kind of uh the, the big test wasn't it to to see how we got on so just to just to talk through how we're going to run the episode and this is kind of a a green machine first martin isn't it this is going to be a pure experiment and it could go absolutely swimmingly or it could go absolutely terribly so <laughs> <laughs> we actually we actually recorded um, last night. We did a watch through of Rising Suns. Uh, so that was, of course, the, the review of Ireland's 2002 World Cup. And we kind of commented on the matches and we commented on the footage and, and all those bits and pieces. So we're kind of doubling up on ourselves a little bit. We're going to watch the highlights as we're recording. And we're going to try our best to snip it in little bits of uh, little bits of audio. Now, I'm not an octopus. And I'm a guy, so I'm not very good at multitasking. So, so you'll have to bear with us. This this could go horribly wrong, but but we'll do our best. So we're gonna chat through the game. We're gonna chat through some of the, the pre-game stuff, I suppose. There, there's a lot of um, I suppose, obscure bits and pieces that we want to cover. We'll go through the games. That that should take about 10-15 minutes, and then some of the, the post-match game, and we'll be hearing from Matt Holland. Um which is which is a great thing. Um we we, yeah, we spoke. Yeah, we spoke to Matt back in March and, and he did talk us through that that goal, um, that amazing goal that he scored 20 years ago today. So so we will be playing a little bit of 
um, footage, uh, audio footage from that um, kind of towards the end of the episode. So to launch into it, um, I mean, Ireland Cameroon opening game of our World Cup. Even if we take the build up like Saipan, we've covered, we, we, we know uh, all about that, I suppose, and not just ourselves, but so many media outlets have, have covered that. But what a lot of people forget is we, we played a couple of warm up games against Japanese clubs. And this did have a bit of an impact on some of our players kind of leading into this game, Martin, didn't it? Do you want to talk us through that? Because, um, you know, it, it, this is something that a lot of people forget um, yeah. in, ter- in terms of the last minute build up to, to this game against Cameroon. Yeah, this was it. I mean, it's interesting looking back at it now, 20 years on. I mean, we played, not obviously our last game before we went off to the World Cup was against Nigeria and Dublin. And, you know, everyone knew that Damon Duff was out the back then. You know, he played quite well, I think, that night. And it was great to see the team going off. And Roy was part of that party as well. And then it all kicked off with Saipan. But yeah, when we travelled and, and we settled down in, you know, after Saipan, we settled in in Tokyo, just outside at Chiba City. And we did play these, these friendly matches. And we played a game in Izumo um, against Sanfrees Hiroshima. Um, and it was kind of marred, basically. It was a 2-1 victory for Ireland. R- Robbie King got both the goals. But the game was marred by some quite physical tackles. I think Mick, you know, we know Mick loved the tackle back in the day when he yeah. was playing. But, you know, he was really pissed off with how heavy-handed they came across. And, you know, it did leave Jason McAteer, who's one of our experienced players going into the World Cup, injured. Um, and he was very, very down, obviously, after it. And it was just, you know, they had to get scans and everything. So it was quite a serious injury. You know, a senior pro like him would probably know how serious the injury was. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, it's interesting just reading back now. Mick was absolutely fuming with some of these challenges. And then it came to light that, you know, a bit of a revelation that the offender of this ch- challenge was Tulio. And he was from Cameroon, yeah, who were Ireland's yeah. first opponent. So, you know, I, I think it was even went as far as like Mick saying that, that the guy was trying to make an apology and come into the change room afterwards. And and Ireland just weren't having that at all. And you know, it, Mick yeah. was using it as a preparation, the friendly match, and it was far from that really. They probably um, they probably thought he he was the star player because he sort of scored a goal against Holland and uh, twice in the yeah. so I mean. You know, it's 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 a funny one, kind of looking back at it. And and Zidane, like Zinedine Zidane, got injured in the the South Korea friendly, didn't he? In the build up there, so there was a couple of couple of injuries for for other countries in the build up. But it was it was a phenomenal kind of start. Like you were there, Martin. So I don't know. Just just for anyone who was there, I mean, it'd be great to hear your memories. But you know, talk us through kind of arriving and and kind of getting to Niigata and get getting to the game itself. I mean, I'm fascinated to hear because, as I said, like it's it, it's kind of a it's kind of something I've always been curious about what it was like to be at a World Cup. You have to remember, like 20, 20 years ago, everything wasn't as easy now. Travel, accommodation, and everything like that. Sorting that out was a monumental effort from Riss London. And now we've had Declan Finnegan on one of our series before as well, when he kind of spoke about it. But, you know, we they went to a hell of a lot of effort for the members of the club to arrange this a crazy, crazy trip. You know, we, we, we obviously could all get flights and stuff, but it was part of a package. The hotels and everything like that were all sorted, central Tokyo. Um, and it was, it was a good old, you know, long flight and stuff and, you know, lots of members together on the flight. It was brilliant. A uh, bit of crack, you know, had a, had a drink and everything. You're just so excited going off to the World Cup. And I remember arriving late in kind of Tokyo that evening and the match was going to be the next day. Um, so and I, I can't really even remember the French, the French game at all. I don't know whether it was we were suffering jet lag or what it was, but I'll I remember even just... Probably. No, it wasn't really. I think, you know, we were so scared that it was going to be so expensive over there that I remember we stocked up at duty free of like bottles of vodka and whiskey. Jesus. And 
thinking, you know, we will like have a drink in the room. You kind of, it was a little bit like uh, back in the day, 1830 kind of holidays where you used to, <laughs> this is really showing my age now, but like you'd kind of drink in your hotel cheaply in your room before you kind of went out on, on the lash basically but and we were thinking that mindset to be honest because we were like scare scaremongering that it was like eight pound a pint and things like that anyway um we arrived in it's like first night of a holiday basically but football is obviously the reason why you're there and we found this lovely little pub opposite us um and Tokyo's full of these and you know I must drop into this that Andre Maxwell our club treasurer at Risk London now he's he actually is in Japan now he lives in Japan um I think he kind of fell in love with it basically after that 2002 wow. World Cup and um, he's opened a bar actually a couple of weeks ago. No so um, yeah, yeah, one of these really exact kind of bars, and they're these small little kind of drinking holes, and they're they've got all these amazing whiskeys and drinks in the background, you know, in the back shelves and stuff. And then they have these mini little kegs of beer. And so I remember just going in there the night of uh, before the game because you were kind of thinking it was going to be like karaoke bars everywhere and that. And we were just trying to find a bar just to have a few. That's, uh, we that, 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 that's nailing the stereotype. In the uh, there. That, no, but I think it was that. I, I just couldn't remember that now. I can remember even in my mind, look, thinking back on this, you kind of have put me on the spot is, you know, walking up these stairs and just seeing these, you know, these neon lights and everything like that. Yeah. And um, we, we ended up in this little bar anyway. And I remember, um, you know, a bit of a sing song kind of thing like that. But I remember there was a few English lads in there um, and they were obviously based themselves in Tokyo. They were going off to play. England were going to be playing Sweden a few days later. And we just got chatting to them. Everyone at the start of that um, at that time, obviously, is quite optimistic about how their country is going to get on in the World Cup. And we just got chatting to them. And they were Bournemouth fans. And obviously, they knew Matt Holland. And they were chatting about Matt Holland and what a good player he was and thinking, you know, don't worry about Roy Keane. You're not going to miss him because Matt Holland's absolutely brilliant because look, Matt Holland's a bit of a legend down in Bournemouth. So... I remember just having distinctly that conversation with them um, and having a really good night in there, you know, this bar. And then, you know, just, we had, we didn't go mad because we were, we were thinking we've got to be sensible. We're going to be up really, really early in the morning to catch this bullet train um, to Nagata. So, which was a bit of a trek from Tokyo. So anyway, the next day we got up, you know, hopes are high off. We went, um, there was four of us actually, yeah, going off, but like meeting up with other members and obviously the bullet train. And before it even pulled out of the station, the, the the bar there was these little we had, I remember drinking like whiskey and water on the on the the train because that was all you can get and it was in cans oh, because Jesus. that was all you can get they drank everything else dry and then there was some beers were getting thrown around a little bit from people who, had, who were better planners than me basically and and, <laughs> and I managed to get a few cans on board but um yeah good old trip up there and then coming out I'll never forget coming out of the stadium coming out like the train station just to welcome and just these people everywhere just holding up their phones to take photos of you and that was the start of basically the kind of camera phone as i'd ever seen anyway um and it was just brilliant atmosphere and the good thing about it, i think from the football perspective was we you know in the background really in the shadow of this was all roy Keane. he was still there it was all a lot of um kind of debate of who's going to be starting and you know there was even like talk and rumors that oh you know he is actually going to be there because healy couldn't come into the squad by that time so they were even saying well we might even just do this game and Roy could be back you never know what's going to happen I remember that being speculated which was crazy yeah, um, and Jesus. off we went on the way to the game um, and you know obviously come to the game it was just a, you know it was just exciting to see the lineup um, and then when you see the team coming out for the warm-up and stuff like that I remember it was really really baking hot there um, and we had brilliant seats as well we were very lucky with that so it was just once we got in there and got settled 
the Roy King kind of thing went away. There was a few flags supporting Roy. I remember that distinctly as well. But the arguments weren't really happening within the crowd at that stage. I think it was going to be a case of if Ireland get a good result, Roy's going to be forgotten. And yeah. and that's and, and if we didn't, it would be that Roy would be the story still. And that must have been incredible pressure thinking about it on Mick McCarthy and the team. Yeah, let's go through those lineups that you mentioned, Martin. So uh, the Ireland lineup, and it's fascinating to see the Cameroon lineup as well. So start with Ireland. So Shea given in goal, Gary Kelly, Gary Breen, Steve Staunton was captain in the team is 99 cap. That was uh, Ian Hart, Jason McAteer, Mark Kinsler, Matt Holland, Kevin Kilban, Robbie Keane and Damien Duff. And uh, Stephen and Stephen Reid came off the bench. Now the Cameroon lineup. I'm going to go through, then we might remark on a couple of the players. So, uh, Bukar Elium, uh, Rigobert Sung, Raymond Kalla, Bill Tachu, Jeremy Pierre Wom, Lauren, Mark Vivian Foy, Solomon Alembe, Samuel Etu, Patrick Mbama, and Patrick Sufu. Of course, they were managed by Winifred Schaefer, who was uh, the German coach who um, who looked a little bit like uh, Bon Jovi or something. So, <laughs> so, just a couple of them, lads, Martin. I mean, let's keep in mind Cameroon were the, the African Cup of Nation champions, they beat Senegal in the um in, in the final just a couple of months before kind of that that previous winter so you know they were fancy they were considered one of the strongest teams in africa and um, some of the players are out there i mean rigobert song he was with uh, i remember him with with liverpool he might have played for west ham at some stage but the likes of jeremy and lauren yeah. i mean lauren was with arsenal and and jeremy i think he was with real madrid at the time and he went on to play for for chelsea i mean they had a cracking team. Um, Samuel Letty was only about 21. Patrick Mbama had, had had done really well kind of in the some of the Asian top leagues. Um, like Etu was was on the on the way to becoming a world-class player, wasn't he? Yeah. Um Mark Vivian Fowey, though, it's it's a sad one to look at. Of course, he, he died of a heart attack um just about a year later, I think. Yeah. Um in Lyon in the at the Confederations Cup. So they were playing in France. And funnily enough, he he actually played for Lyon, uh Fowey. Um that was some Cameroonian team. I mean, they they weren't, um, you know, I mean, looking at them then, I mean, they might have been at different clubs, but they they went on to, to have very, very accomplished careers. As I said, Jeremy, Lauren, um, Fowe, uh, Etu, I mean, top, top players, weren't they? They were serious size. And they were, what they were, they were all really physical and and fit and quite dominating, you know, compared to our lads when they came out. I remember just... It was just quite physically in awe of them, basically. They were they were such a strong outfit. And, you know, every challenge, even when you come on to watch the game, you know, it was just a massively physical game. And we really did match them, which was fantastic. But, you know, it was it really was. It, they were a decent side. And I know we can look back now 20 years later and think of the careers these players have had and, like, the world stars they would go on to be. But, um, you know, Lauren was a, a brilliant player at Arsenal, Etu especially fantastic Jeremy like you said Real Madrid and stuff some really really good players there and you know we well, we did match them that was the thing we really we took yeah. us a while to get going but we did match them and like they were kind of a a sweetheart of the World Cup weren't they because you had Roger Mia who was the you know the oldest goal scorer in a World Cup and you know they gone to the quarterfinals in 1990 hadn't they so they they were one of the 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 not I wouldn't say favorites of the World Cup but they're one of the yeah. The favorite teams of the World Cup um, in, in that kind of era, weren't they? And yeah. another mention, I suppose, jo- Joey Endo, who of course went on there, play, played a lot of League of Ireland, didn't he? Like he played Sligo Rovers, he played for Bowls for a while, played for Shells, um, St. Pat's as well. I mean, he, he was on the bench um, in that game. He's based in Ireland, he's based up in, up in Sligo, I think, at the moment. So, you know, fascinating to, to see how he ended up in Ireland just a couple of years later. Um, the match itself, Martin, we're, we're actually going to go through it. Uh, as I said, this is a big experiment for us. We are going to watch the highlights. We're going to try and snip it a bit of audio in as we go along. Um, 
we're going to get, you know, unnecessarily excited about a match that happened 20 years ago. But look, we'll we'll own it and we'll see how we get on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be good. I mean, Martin, the stadium itself was absolutely stunning, wasn't it? Like, we're just watching the, the teams coming out there. Yeah, this was brilliant. I mean, look at the colour with the Cameroonian fans. I mean, it was it was just a brilliant vibe outside the stadium, I remember as well. And, you know, we were there at World Cup and it was very, very special. You know, the first time since 94. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. just, just have the, just have the line. Yeah, it's going to Stephen Stockton captains the team on the occasion of his 99th cap. Ian Hart at left back. Gary Tilly at right back. And Gary Pilon side. Steve Stockton at the heart of the defence. Let's hope we see something at the other end of the pitch. With Damien Duff and Robbie Keane. I mean, that was that was some lineup, wasn't it? I mean, Stan coming in as captain. Um, you know, unexpectedly as well, and playing out of position as centre half. So. You know, th- this was a big occasion for him, wasn't it? Because he'd been to two World Cups already. He hadn't been captain before, and all of a sudden he's thrust into it. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't his best couple of performances, but, you know, he did very admir- admirably well, didn't he? I mean, even in some of the interviews in the build-up. Yeah, look, he, he would have been under pressure as well as the leader and a senior pro in that team. And, you know, it, 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 it's a weird one, even looking back, thinking that, you know, he played up front there uh, at the back, obviously, and... He was our leader of our team, senior spokesman with, with Quinny at that time with all the Roy Keane stuff. Um, 99 caps, like that's incredible, isn't it? Going into yeah. a World Cup, 99 caps, that's look at that level of experience. And, you know, um, a lot of people would have think we were going to miss uh, Roy Keane, but look, that, that's the kind of level yeah. of experience we had. Well, he was our most cap then, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, looking at the game already, Martin, I mean, Jesus, the physicality of the Cameroonians and just an early shot there um, yeah. from Robbie Keane. You, you can see that they were trying to test the keeper from early on, can't you? I mean, Robbie Keane with the long range shot there quite early on. Yeah, and the other thing, just to factor in on this, is if you look at the, the stadium there, like half the stadium, was a little bit, little bit like the old Wembley, you had half of the, the, the stadium Ch- in, Ch- in Chancellor shallow. Cameroon, Chancellor Cameroon here. <laughs> yeah, Shay made a great save there, didn't he? That could have been bad. God. Yeah. Samuel Letty yeah. with, a, with a great chance there for anyone that remembers. And I mean, just the, you know, the jinkiness of him. I mean, he went on to play with that great Barcelona team, didn't he? And yeah. he was he, he's such good ball control. He was very, very awkward to play against. I mean, he was only 21. You can see the youthfulness in his face there, can't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just watching like McAteer playing there. And this is, um, you know, uh, he was clearly unfit from still from that, that pre uh, tournament match the friendly and you know I know he admitted that later on in his, his diary he did with the Irish Independent he said like he had looked Mick McCarthy in the eye and he lied to him yeah. because the World Cup was the ultimate and you know think of the contrast of that him actually saying that and Roy Keane's there not there for different reasons it's incredible really to think about it only with Ireland could that happen really that contrast yeah and um, I mean we, we would have been two players down wouldn't we because it was too yeah. late to, to call up anyone because Colin Healy didn't get in the squad did he just a flash header there from Robbie Keane and you know, we, we could have been ahead very, very early. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, just looking at the movement of Etu there and Mbama, I mean, Jesus, they were they were two excellent players. Great shot there from Jeremy. Oh. It's a serious good side, this. They were, you know, to get, to get the results we did against them, they were very good. Very, very slick team. You know, they, they yeah. play with kind of a five at the back, but you can see that their midfield was just packed with their best players. I mean, they, they Lauren Bowie, Solomon Lalembe. I think, I think he played a bit of Premier League. He might have played for Wigan. Yeah. You know, but I mean, they 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 just packed that team and utilized it to the best possible way that they could. But even like watching them now, and you know, very very slick unit. Jeremy on the ball there, and I mean, it's the goal, just, isn't it? I think it's yeah. the goal. So against Staunton, still looking for a 
Sloppy goal, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I mean, Stan got not making everything on it. I mean, Matt Holland desperately tried to get back there as well, and he tried not to take far him away. Out of it, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the quality came through there with Etu and and then and setting up on Bummer. But, but that jing from Etu, like that's something like in later years that we just saw for for, for Barcelona. That that little jink. I remember, I remember United played Barcelona in two thousand and eight. Um, yeah. you know when 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 they actually won the Champions League or was that two thousand seven? No, two thousand two thousand eight. And um, geez, I mean, I just remember like the the jinx out of out of Etu, you know, just his ability to to turn like that, and just the, the ball control he had, even even though he looked like he was just about, you know, just just, just to smash it around his ankles. But um, you know, they were they had a couple of chances, didn't they? Here's another one. And Bama there, yeah, yeah, with the volley. Yeah, and Bama with the volley. I mean, he 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 was one of the elder statesmen, I think, in the team. I think he gone out on loan to Sunderland. Um, you know, I think he played a lot in the, as I said, some of the, the the Middle Eastern leagues. I think he played in Qatar. I think he played in Saudi Arabia. But you know, he was he was one of their top goal scorers, and you know, he really really kind of did us that day. Another yeah, chance there, is- yeah. Duffer, the th- the thing is, like the just the clip we have here, Duffer just um taking it up on the right hand side. He had kind of that free roll, but he got a lot of those kind of free kicks, didn't he, Martin? Like it's just just one of him kind of taking on three men, <laughs> going over quite easily. But he was good at drawing lads in. Yeah, he was brilliant at that. And you know what I said actually at the start, looking back at this, and I said how hot it was in the stadium and stuff, it's, I can see now because half the three quarters of the pitch is basically in shadow and where I was actually sitting, probably dehydrating in the sun. Is, you can see, is, you can see in the, the sweat sun. though. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what always hits me, Martin, is you see, like we, we spoke about this in our in our full watch along, but I mean, the, um, you know, the, the comfort, the discomfort of those jerseys, um, just uh, half time there, by the way, uh, just uh, just in, in in our highlights there. Um, so Cameroon leading Ireland 1-0. I think we all know how it finishes, but sure, we might as well do this for effect, you know. <laughs> but, but what what I was, I was saying, Martin, I mean, what struck me about that was it was those kind of old-school heavy jerseys. They looked like they are about five sizes too big for the players. They were that, like, not very breathable nylon. I mean, imagine wearing that in that heat, you know, under immense pressure as well. Yeah. I mean, the technology of these shirts has moved on so much in 20 years. And, and yeah. you know, you even see them training them. It's the same material in training that they're wearing. It's not light and stuff. Probably some protection against the sun, I expect. But, um, yeah, look, it, there wasn't much of that. And, and later on, I think even when we spoke about the rising suns, we watched it last night, um, when, you're, when you're watching the Germans, like, you know, Balak's got this kind of undershirt part of it in, involved in it. They yeah. wear strange shirts. Brilliant kits, though. Like I know we've spoken about that before as well. It was, it, was a, kits it, was, it was a turning point. They kind of they kind of got a bit more high tech and clean looking, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. Like it was kind of it was kind of a golden time, even for everything. Like we we, we keep mentioning the football, don't we? <laughs> yes. Steve Finnan coming on there at halftime. So that was just that just demonstrated that um that Jason McIntyre wasn't fit at all. So Gary Kelly actually went on to the wing. And Finn went into right back. He was in the PFA team of the year that year, as far as I know. So I mean, he was he was an excellent yeah. player to have come off. I mean, this is like Finn was excellent in the World Cup overall. I mean, and he and he really made a difference here straight away. I think as soon as he gets on the ball, he's marauding forward and stuff. So yeah, look, it, it was a brilliant substitution actually for Mick this one. 
some pace as well, you know, that that he had. And um, well, it was it was it was enforced, but it was an excellent one, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, because yeah. he could have brought on like Stephen Reed could have played full back. Here's here's and on our highlights here. You just have Finn and absolutely bombing it forward. Yeah. You know, just straight read, on the pitch. It, like he got into the speed of the game really quickly. I mean, fair play. That's not always easy to do. And you know, he did, and he it was really just. I think Mick had given him a good kick up the arse here at half time and, and yeah. told him to drive forward and go at them. And obviously, I think that was probably our best chance of getting a result, basically, that to actually go at them. And in a way, it's like not Lars throw the dice. I wouldn't use it that that terminology for it. But, you know, as I said, Mick was under incredible pressure here and he really had to get a good result in this opening game. It's so mm. important that is, you know, a draw. I'm sure Mick would have taken it, took it at the start in the circumstances. And you know, we I think we were fully worthy for, for deserved it anyway, the draw that yeah. we got eventually. Another glancing header there from Kevin Kilban, very like Robbie Keynes in the first half. I mean, we we got into very good good positions from the cross, didn't we? Yeah. We always yeah. we always seem to have someone supporting there, which which was excellent. Just even the style of football already, Martin. It's uh <laughs> you know, it's something that, that didn't exactly evolve for a long, long time. Chance here. I remember that one, Martin, because Jeremy, like Ian Harris just passed it back. Jeremy, you know, just slices it wide. But his his reaction, he kind of throws himself forward. Yeah. And uh, it, it almost looks like he's, uh, ugh, it almost looks like he's, um, he's celebrating, you know. So I remember kind of breaking it there. Now, oh, here, here we he go. Is. Bang. Wow, that was just look, looking back at that is incredible because you know obviously being there for it and just like you know what a moment for Matt Holland and moment for us basically it just lifted us completely as as a fan base as well just, just living the dream there living every Irish fan's dream scoring a goal in the World Cup. Oh, just like even if you think about that qualifying campaign and you had the goal against um, you had the goal against Portugal, yeah. and um, I think he scored another one against um, Estonia away. Now it wasn't wasn't quite the same, but I mean it was still a cracking goal. And and even for Ipswich, you know all the goals he seemed to score for them were absolutely uh, were screamers. You know thunder bastards we call them. But I mean yeah. Matt Holland. I mean, we are going to hear from him um, in a few minutes, but, you know, he did speak about his technique and how he made that, you know, a massive kind of feature of his game. Being able to strike a ball from range, whether it be moving or whether it be, um, you know, kind of kind of from play, but he, he was he was absolutely excellent, like, you know. He, he was, and, you know, I, I know I keep saying on this whole thing about the pressure and things, but, you know, he would have been under pressure. Him and Kinsella, you know, they were they had the shadow of Roy Keane over them both. One of the, you know, you're only, you know, they probably would have had people saying, oh, you're only playing because Roy's not there. And they obviously put in a great performance. Yeah, just um, just a quick one there, Martin. So anyone that might have missed it. So ball into Gary Breen and Rigobert's song, um, chesting the ball on the line to the goalkeeper. Not only was it nearly an own goal, but it probably should have been a penalty. Yeah, that's, look, if VAR had been there, then we'd have had a penalty that he catched it with his left arm. I, got, yeah. I couldn't actually remember that until we'd seen it, obviously. But um, yeah. Yeah, look, that would have definitely been a penalty and probably did appeal. But and on our on our full watch back, we remarked on how big the uh, the goalkeeper's hands were, uh, <laughs> Alium, <laughs> and Samuel Etu there missing another chance, just kind of slicing it wide. But it just showed how quick he was. Jesus, the pace yeah. of him. 
21 year old Samuel Etu. Yeah. And uh, there's just an image of him <laughs> kind of looking up to the sky. My God, he, um, very youthful there, very youthful, but so dangerous. Oh, we got away with that one, didn't we? Yeah. I know it's 20 years, but we got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. But, and I was just watching their duffer there running behind the lines, ran the channels yeah. really well that day, and, and you needed a, to do that. Just had that free roll, didn't he? Just allowed yeah. to get wide and, you know, just, just to mix it up a bit. Stephen Ree coming on, so he was meant to go to the Bahamas, wasn't he? And then all of a yeah. sudden he was <laughs> he was drafted in for Mark Kennedy and um, made a real impact. I mean, that really put him in the shot market, didn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, like, I've done, done really well. Delighted for him as well. Lovely fella. And yeah, look, he made an influence straight away, didn't he? With his energy coming on and nicking the ball and stuff and putting him under pressure. Yeah, here's really, another really chance good. here. Oh, should have squared it, shouldn't he? Yeah, he should have. Yeah. yeah. Didn't really get out of his feet, did he? But um, good pressure from Stephen Reed, though. Instant impact. Instant yeah. impact from both the subs. I mean, up the right. Yeah, but I suppose though, you think about it, they're giving their chance, aren't they? And they're... Oh, that's what Rob, Robbie hitting the post. Some curler, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a good strike, this. You'd wonder... You'd wonder had Mick done a bit of scouting and maybe this keeper was a little bit dodgy from range. Like, he doesn't even die for that one. You know? Yeah, yeah, he didn't even look at it. Yeah, didn't even go for it. He says Duffer going down. I mean, he just tormented the Nimi Duffer. Yeah. And, and he just drops know, his head all the time, doesn't he? Like it's, it's like yeah. he's like a rugby player, just kind of driving forward. But he got I mean, a lot. Of, he got a lot of free kicks. And this was a great strike as well coming yeah. up. Stephen Reed. He's some right foot, even yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he did. The yeah, run up, just anyone, anyone listening, watch the highlights and watch the Stephen Reed run up. It's like he's a, he's like an American footballer, like a blocker, isn't he? Just about to nail yeah. someone, <laughs> but the striking in, I was right at the keeper. But Jesus, some power. And I mean, we saw a lot of Stephen Reed goals in the Premier League, didn't we? Where it was, where it was at the keeper, and it still went in. Yeah. Now this was it was. This was good. Like, you know, it was great to see the subs coming on and making an impact. And then, you know, we deserved that draw. We deserved that draw. Before, that is a truly magnificent result by Ireland. It turned it around. Ireland have won the game. Now, Ireland have won the game. Ireland have won the I think that says it all, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. Saipan, a couple of um, very physical warm-up matches, a lot of stuff that kind of went with it. And the way to look at it is it was a difficult start. And maybe that kind of reflected the few days that had gone by. But the second half was all about momentum, wasn't it? And just a couple of quotes here um, from after the game. So Eamon Dunphy, who, of course, have been very, very critical of Mick, partly because he wrote, wrote uh, Roy Keane's book. So following our um, Ireland's performance, um, he said that Mick McCarthy did have a cause to gloat, but did remain a bit, uh, a bit uh, pragmatic, I suppose, after the game. So just a quote from uh, from Dunphy. So we'll have to play as well as we did in the second half here for the whole match against Germany. 
I didn't think we'd do as well as we could do. So that just showed that Dunphy was uh, starting to believe again. He wore the Cameroonian jersey, didn't he, in the lead-up to the game? He did, yeah. I mean, like, again, to kind of use the words, you know, the from the 1990 World Cup, it's, it's like I was at it, you know, yeah. so I missed it. Um, so you missed a lot of this. Sadly, you know, we didn't have the, the you know, the, all the internet. We didn't have Twitter and everything like that then. So you couldn't really know what was going on. It was just speculation of what was going back on in, in Ireland and, and obviously England as well. So following the games, but uh, brilliant, like brilliant result um, ultimately. And I'm just really, really like, you know, I've been kind of doing a bit of research on this and stuff. It was what was incredible was, you know, I forgot this. Uh, you know, there was actually when we got the the, the equaliser and stuff, there was a few odd chances that, that went up. Like, are oh, you watching Roy Keane kind of thing? So that was probably the turn of the tide then. Because do you think he watched you know, it, Martin? Do you think he watched the game? That's a great question, isn't it? Really, I'd love to ask him it myself. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I'd say he did. Yeah, I would think he did. Yeah, I don't think he probably admitted that he did though. But it'd be an interesting one. To Probably not. He'll take that one to his grave anyway. Just yeah. another quote here from, from Steve Stanton. So, of course, that was his 99 cap. So this is after the game. So hopefully we're down to business now. That's what it's all about. The important thing was not to lose the first game. We've done that. We were stronger at the end. And again, hits the nail on the head. Just all the momentum. Like, we, we, we should have won that game. In two glancing headers, one from Keane, one from Kilban. Keane hits the post. Keane probably should have squared it for Duff. Stephen Reed with the free kick in the last minute, right at the keeper. But I mean, it was it was a very good chance. But um, no, I mean, again, context is key, isn't it? I mean, the African champions, very very strong unit. Like we named some of the players there: you Samuel Eto'o, you, you Jeremy, um, you Mark Vivian Foy. I mean, tra- tragic circumstances there, but I mean, a, a, an excellent player. After the game, Martin, you you watched Germany, didn't you, <laughs> to see what we were yeah, up against so, in our next game? So after the game, because this this was like an an afternoon kickoff in in in. Japan so yeah after that we kind of headed into the town I remember and um it was the plan was just go through the night and get a, a bullet train whenever there was going to be one running back to Tokyo and the that was our idea that was our plan um headed back into the kind of town thing trying to get a place where we could watch the the Germany game against Saudi Arabia and we ended up going to this bar called the Cheers Bar and I'll never forget uh going in there and like this it was a Canadian American guy and, uh, you know, he says, oh, welcome, guys. We've got beer, beer and more beer. I just, that's all I remember. I thought, you cheesy fucker. Anyway, but you're actually, just from the kind of adrenaline and the exhilaration of seeing Ireland playing and the, and the heat, obviously, and, and the first had built up by then and we were in a celebratory mood, we ended up like just filling this kind of bar. Um, and I just remember the most massive, like, big screen you could imagine. And I remember just kind of lying down these kind of pillows that were draped around everywhere and, I think even one of the la- few lads kind of dozed off and stuff because it was a nothing game that one, the eight nil. Just remember closer, bloody scoring loads of goals and the celebration and stuff. But and after that, we ended up going off out into um to, to, to you know the word had kind of gone round where I don't know how we were communicating, but the kind of word had gone round where Irish there was an Irish pub and wherever it was, and we went to this pub called the the Black Pig, um, and this became infamous basically because we all went there and. Um, I remember just going along through this kind of shopping mall kind of thing. And then you ended up outside this kind of pub, um, like in this big tall building and really dark and look like dark and look about it. But fans are all over the street outside. It was nighttime by then. And this just massive game of Gaelic football was going on. And I remember these shutters of this garage were there used as a makeshift goal. 
and people doing a penalty shootout and stuff like that. And I remember um, going into the bar and like ordering drinks and stuff like that. But I mean, they actually ran out of drink. And I think Deck Finnegan from Risk London told a story of where, you know, they'd run out of drink. They couldn't cope with the demand and stuff. And the guy just gave, opened the till, gave Deck a load of money, load of cash and said, go in this car with a few other lads. And they ended up like going down to this supermarket place cash and carrier where it was buying drink and bringing it back and i guess there's, there's a brilliant picture of deck on on the um in, in the paper obviously there the next day because i remember he was like featured as one of the irish fans who probably drank the bar dry basically i also <laughs> remember the um deck had a it must be a cd back then of you know the here come the good times the yeah yeah the official the, the album, album yeah yeah and i remember that just being blared out and everything like that and it was absolutely brilliant like people swinging off like the ceiling it had this it had this kind of um I can't really describe it. Like David will know what I'm on about when I'm saying like a dark, dingy kind of da- dungeon, kind of some sex den or something. Yeah, sounds like, Dave, sounds like David's kind of place. <laughs> Dave's kind of place. But it had this kind of metal grid bars all over the the, the ceiling, so people like were basically swinging off them. I remember island flag scarves draped yes. off it, and it was just incredible, like brilliant night. And I remember like leaving there at one stage, and then just like kind of making our way back to kind of the the bullet train station and. um you know, I, I think, yeah, just look, dying to get into to bed, basically, and get back, because it had been such a kind of adrenaline rush as well, coming straight through, having a few the night before, and then um, I'd liken it to a wedding in a way. You know, you kind of arrive at a wedding, you have a few the night before, and then you go to the wedding, and you're all hyped up all day. It was like that, and then you have this big kind of lull at the end of it, and but we had to do it all over again <laughs> for the Germany game coming up, and we were also going to watch the, the match in um, Tokyo in in this bar there where it was going to go and watch the England game basically and see how they got on because they were playing Sweden. Yeah. Did you feel hopeful after that eight nil? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it was always going to be a challenge going on to play Germany, but I mean, and that was going to be the big test for us because look, we were delighted. we got the one, one all draw and I think Mick was absolutely buzzing after it. And, you know, you got to remember in the background, there was all that Roy Keane stuff. This was the team, as Stan said there, the quote, you know, we were moving on, got a good result. They were going to build on that. I mean, even just, it's brilliant looking back. And I'd, like you said, I'd urge anyone to look back at the Rising Suns or even the highlights on YouTube of these games. The amount of chances Ireland created in these games was incredible. Like, we were such a good side. Like, and we we really put top teams to the sword. Like, Duff, like Finnan was brilliant when he came on, but Keane had a lot of chances in games. So did Duffer. Um, like, we were a really, really creative side in this World Cup and, and, and more than matched these sides. And... You know, I'm actually looking back now with kind of a sense of regret thinking, Jesus, from this massive high when I was 22, <laughs> 20 years ago, and, you know, these lads hadn't reached their peak a lot of this. A very young side, I think we've spoken about before as well. Yeah. Third uh, youngest but, in the tournament. But, like, we should have kicked on from this, basically. I know we're going to cover all the games and stuff in the World Cup in more detail, but, you know, what a what a good side we had. Mm. And it saddens me in a way that I know we've, we've obviously covered the series fantastically well. I know that's self-praise, but you know, we went on to <laughs> Kerr afterwards, but Jesus, I just think of the dross we've been served up under, you know, Trapattoni and then Martin O'Neill with, with some of these players still there um, is, is criminal really, because when these lads played and we're allowed to play and Mick, to be fair, he deserves it. I know like we, we love Mick and I know Dave really loves Mick, <laughs> And Dave said, like, what a good side this was. And, and it is really good to watch back this this uh, this footage of this World Cup because we were a brilliant side then. We really were. Absolutely. And, I mean, I think that's always the regret, first of all, that we didn't go further and also that we didn't kick on after the World Cup. So 
before we go, we, we want to bring you just a, a, a nice little bit of footage. So we spoke to Matt Holland back in March. We were previewing a couple of uh, the, the, the March fixtures, the couple of games against Belgium and Lithuania. And, um, and Matt actually spoke us through the technique that um, I suppose that that all led to that moment in his life. Um, so we're going to leave you with that. We will be back um, on the on the 20th anniversary of the Ireland-Germany game for our next episode. So until then, all the best and take care. Honestly, 20 years, it's, it's scary. Absolutely scary. I can't believe it's, it's 20 years has passed as, as, as quickly as that. Um, really great memories. And, um, you know, it, four games unbeaten. It, it, yeah. It, just you just wonder what might have been. It's but but fabulous memories. Well, what, what would have happened, Matt, was uh, we would have played South Korea and the ref would have screwed us. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it was I think it was better going out the way we did in some ways. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 funny because I mean Mar- Martin and I always say this. Like I mean, you you, you to be fair, we're not just saying it because you're in front of us, but you do get a few mentions in in kind of retro episodes that we do, and you seem to only score screamers, didn't you? Like you seem to only score long range goals, and then that that goal against Cameroon just epitomized the, the kind of goals you score like that goal against Portugal some of the goals you score for Ipswich I mean Jesus I mean it's it's um you know it's it's outrageous Thun, thunder bastards we call them <laughs> I scored I scored a few decent ones it, it's funny really that that um I mean the goal against Cameroon I always say is years and years of practice yeah and yeah, years technique. and years honestly years and years of breaking my mum's um picture frames <laughs> picture frames because honestly i used to have a soft ball in, in a, we had a long at home we had a long room like a, a playroom type thing and i used to stand at one end throw the ball in the air and try and hit it on the volley to that far wall and the amount of times obviously it goes wrong and you hit the photo frame it smashes but and the photo frames had no glass in them none of them had any glass in them left by the time i'd finished with that room but it was honestly years and years of practice that and then at west ham when i was sort of coming through the academy we had a, a gym where we used to play um crossbar game so it was a gym it's about 60 yards long and again you try and hit the crossbar but you do it you hit volleys half volleys just striking it and, and hitting it sort of 40 50 yards and trying to hit the hit the crossbar but all of that 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 work came to fruition in that moment i would say all those all those hours and all that practice of trying to hit that 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 technique if you like and and it just was perfect the way it sort of came to me the way i caught it everything was just perfect at that moment and so I was I was lucky to be in that position at that moment and it all came right at that particular time so it's um yeah it, it, it was years of practice for that it's it's an outrageous goal just the technique because you don't you don't see many like that like you see you see players hit it sweet like I mean didn't Thiago score that goal in the Champions League where he just just hits it nicely but just the like even if you look at the movement of the ball I'm sure you've watched it a couple of times, Matt, you know. <laughs> but even, even, if, even if you look at the movement of the ball, like you, you can see just how how little movement how little movement there is in terms of the, the shape of it. It just just flies straight in. Like because I mean you, you could probably try that a million times and it, it mightn't pull off, but Jesus, a, yeah. a great strike. Do you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, look, yeah, it was it was a good strike. Uh, what I'd say is a lot of players wouldn't necessarily take the shot on either. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, if you look back at that goal. Robbie Keane's going mental that I haven't passed him the ball. <laughs> and he's actually in a really good position. I could easily have just you know, got out of touch and tried to play Robbie into to the right-hand side. But as he was coming to me, all I could see was, oh, that's perfect. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch that at the right time. So, um, yeah, as I say, lucky, really. It came together at that moment. Oh,